Welcome to the Atlanta Fringe Audio 2021, brought to you by the Atlanta Fringe Festival. To learn more about the Atlanta Fringe Festival, go to atlantafringe.org. This show is for general audiences. It may contain mild language, but has no overt violent or sexual content. Welcome to A Theater in the Dark's A White Whale, or Moby Dick. Thank you for listening to our audio play, which runs approximately 75 minutes with no intermission. Our show is adapted from Herman Melville's novel and directed by Corey Bradbury. A White Whale was originally presented live on the internet in April 2021, with performers broadcasting in real time from Chicago on the traditional homelands of the Council of the Three Fires, the Ojibwe, Odawa, and Potawatomi Nations, in addition to the Miami, Peora, and Kikapu tribes, from Vancouver, the traditional and unceded territory of the Musqueam, tsleil and Squamish nations, and from New Orleans, the traditional territory of the Chitimaca, Choctaw, Hauma, Tunica, and Quixada tribes. To hear our show unabridged, or to hear other audio offerings, find us online at atheaterinthedark.com. Call me Ishmael. Some years ago, never mind how long precisely, having little or no money in my purse, I thought I'd sail about a bit and see the watery part of the world. Whenever I find myself growing grim about the mouth, whenever it's a damp November in my drizzly soul, Whenever I find myself involuntarily pausing before coffin warehouses and bringing up the rear of every funeral I meet, I account it's high time to get to sea, and I take quietly to the ship. There is no surprise in this. All folks, in their degree, some time or other, cherish very nearly the same feelings towards the oceans with me. Look at the water-bathing crowd on the Great Lake in Chicago, or more widely, any port or harbor on a dreamy Sunday afternoon. What do you see? Thousands of faces fixed in wet reveries. These are all landsmen, on weekdays tied up in plaster, nailed to benches, clenched to desks. Nothing will content them but the extremest limits of the land. The shade of those warehouses and offices will not suffice. Here, they all unite. Tell me, if you can, does the magnetic quality of all the compass needles of all the vessels in the world draw them there? Were Niagara Falls but a cataract of sand, would you travel your thousand miles to see it? Why did the Persians hold the ocean holy? Why did the Greeks and Romans give it a separate deity, deeper still? The meaning of the myth of Narcissus, who saw his own image in the water, then dove after it and drowned. That same face we see in rivers, lakes, and oceans is the face of the ungraspable phantom of life, and this is the key to it all. Scene. The wharf at Nantucket, beach and sea, several whaling ships are moored. Nantucket. Take out your map and look at it. See what a real corner of the world it occupies. There is more sand there than you'd use in 20 years of sandbags for sails. All beach without a background. An anthill on the sea. There were three ships up for three years' voyages. 
all charted to hunt whales and seek whale oil. The titbit, double dam, and the ship's deck that was the very ship for me, the Pequod. You may have seen many a quaint craft in your day, square-tied luggers, buttered box galleots, but take my word for it. You never saw such a rare old craft as this same rare old Pequod with an old-fashioned claw-footed look about her. Long season and weathered stain from typhoons and calm waters. Her mast stood stiffly up like the spines of three old kings, though the ship was rather small, if anything. Her ancient decks were worn and wrinkled, but for all her old antiques, there were new and marvelous features pertaining the wild business that she, for more than 50 years, had followed. She's a thing of trophies. She's a cannibal of a craft, shaped like one continuous jaw around those paneled bulwarks. Instead of wooden pins, the long, sharp teeth of sperm whales. Pretty sharkish, eh, then, lad? Are you the captain of the Pequod? Supposing it be. What do you want of him? I was thinking of shipping. You were, were you? Name? You call me Ishmael. Any experience in a sinking boat? No, sir. Know nothing at all about whaling, I dare say, eh? I've been in several voyages in the merchant service, and I'm a quick learner. Look at your leg. Is... I'll take that leg away from your body if you ever talk about the merchant service again. I suppose you feel considerable proud of having served in those merchant ships. But flukes, lad, what makes you want to go a-whaling? I want to know before I think of shipping you. I want to see what whaling is. I want to see the world. Want to see what whaling is, eh? Have you clapped eyes on Captain Ahab? Who's Captain Ahab, sir? I thought so. Captain Ahab is the captain of the ship. He's a grand, ungodly, godlike man, Captain Ahab. Doesn't speak much, but when he does, you listen. Excuse me, then. I thought I was speaking to the captain himself. You're speaking to third mate Stubb, part owner and agent with Captain's Peleg and Bildad. And if you want to know what Whalen is, I'll put you on the way of finding out before binding yourself past backing out to a three-year voyage. Captain Ahab only has one leg. What do you mean? Was the other lost by a whale? <laughs> lost by a whale? Young man, it was devoured chewed up, crunched by the monstrosest parmaceti that ever chipped a boat. How could you tell one whale from another? Don't talk shark to me. Your lungs are soft. You said you've been to sea before. You sure of that? Sir, I told you that I had been four voyages in the merchant service. Who's this? Ah, Mr. Starbuck. This young man says he wants to join the Pequod. Says he's our man, Mr. Starbuck. Says he wants three years of beef and board. All right, then. Let's understand each other. I heard Mr. Stubb give thee a hint about whaling. Are you still inclined for it? I am. Art thou the sort of man to pitch a harpoon down a live whale's throat, and then jump after it? Quick! I am, sir, if it should be positively indispensable to do so. Not to be got rid of, that is. Which <laughs> and I heard I you want to go in order to see the world. Was that not what you said? Take a step there and peep to the horizon. Well, what's the report? What do you see? Not much. What do you think of the world? Do you wish to see any more of it? I was struck dumb. These two mates regarded me with four eyes that might as well have been one discerning pair as I repeated my intent to go a-whaling. Look at him. He's determined if nothing else. He'll do. Make your mark on the papers. I was signed for the 300th lay. If we had a lucky voyage, it might pay for the clothing I'd wear out on it. 
where's Captain Ahab to be found? You'll like him well enough. No fear. No fear. Yes, but I should like to see him. He's kept close inside his house, a sort of sick. Won't always see me. He's a queer man, Captain Ahab, but a good one. And besides, he has a young child, a girl. Ahab has his humanities. Better to sail with a moody good captain than a laughing bad one. As I walked away, I was full of thoughtfulness, sympathy, pain, sorrow, awe, and impatience. Shipmate! Have ye shipped in that ship? Have ye shipped in her? I suppose you mean the Pequod. Aye, the Pequod, that ship there. You no doubt know the origin of the name. They were a celebrated tribe of Massachusetts natives now extinct. Extinct! Extinct! Wiped out! Slaughtered more like! Slaughtered by us in retaliation for who knows what, and now you've shipped in their namesake! I've signed my articles. Anything in there about your soul? About what? Perhaps you haven't got any. Many chaps have it. He's got enough, though. What are you jabbering about? You haven't seen old Thunder yet, have you? Who's old Thunder? Captain Ahab! Among some of us old sailor chaps, he goes by that name, yet haven't seen him. I've heard he's sick, but getting better. He'll be all right before long. All right before long. When Ahab's all right, this left arm of mine will be all right. Not before. What do you know about him? What did they tell you about him? I've heard he's a fine whale hunter and a good captain to his crew. <laughs> Jump when he gives an order, stab and growls the way of Ahab. But nothing of his death-like dizzy spells, eh? Nothing about the blasphemy he spat upon a holy altar. Oh, of course you've heard tell about the leg and how he lost it. What is this gibberish of yours about? I know all about the loss of his leg. All about it, eh? Sure you do all. Pretty sure. Well, what's signed is signed, what's to be will be. But then again, maybe it won't after all. <laughs> Morning to ye, shipmate. I'm sorry I stopped ye. Shan't see you again very soon, I guess. <laughs> Unless it's just before the grand jury. <laughs> You're just the man for the likes of him. <laughs> Morning to ye, shipmate. Morning. Sharp frost is Christmas Eve, ain't it? The Massachusetts sky had changed from clear, sunny cold to driving sleet and mist. The ribs and terrors of the whale Arched over me and its blue While all God's sunlit waves go Bedford Whaleman's Chapel, morning. A small, scattered congregation of sailors, sailors' wives, and widows, all silent in prayer. Enter Ishmael. Few are the moody fishermen who, shortly bound for the Indian or Pacific, failed to make a visit to this chapel. Yes, in this business of whaling, there is death. The architect of this small church had made this pulpit in the way of a ship's bow, minus stairs but adding a rope ladder. Each silent worshiper seemed purposely sitting six feet apart from the other, as if each silent grief were insular and incommunicable. Faith feeds among the tombs, and from these few it gathers its most vital hope. In memory of my shipmates Robert Long, Willis Ellery, 
Nathan Coleman, Walter Canny, Seth Macy, and Samuel Gleig, forming one of the boat's crews of the ship Eliza, who were towed out of sight by a whale in the distance. The memory of my son, John Talbot, who at 18 was lost overboard near the Isle of Desolation. For the memory of my captain, the late captain Ezekiel Hardy, who was killed in the bowels of his boat by a sperm whale on the coast of Japan, 1833, August 3rd. The famous chaplain. Father Mapple mounts the ladder rope as if ascending the main top of a vessel. Beloved shipmates, clinch the last verse of the first chapter of Jonah. And God had prepared a great fish to swallow up Jonah. Shipmates, this book containing only four chapters is one of the smallest strands in the scripture. Yet what depths that night, chief among my dreams was the great whale itself. Such a mysterious monster roused all my curiosity as the great floodgates of the wonder world swung open in an endless procession of the whale. A three-year voyage was more than welcome. Aboard the Pequod's deck next morning. A Christmas sunrise as the crew assembles in twos and threes. Now, Mr. Starbuck, are we sure everything is right? Nothing more to be got from shore, eh? Ahab's already. Just spoke to him. I'll call all hands, then. Muster aft here! Last year! Strike the tent there! Prepare to heave anchor! Man the capstan! Hold him! Thunder! Jump! As for Captain Ahab, no sign of him was yet to be seen. I heard he was in his cabin, where by all appear- Oh! Is that the way they heave in the merchant service? Spring, you sheephead, and break your backbone! Spring your eyes out! Ship and shore diverge. A screaming gull flies overhead as the hull wildly rolls. We give three heavy-hearted cheers and blindly plunge, like fate, into the Atlantic. Our owners charge us wishes for a Merry Christmas, and they hope we'll have fine weather. I'll see ye three Christmases from now, Nantucket. On the Atlantic Ocean, main deck, evening. Oh, the air. Oh, the air. The whole world before us. Sharing a ship with 30 souls. Our crew from every part of the world. Dutch and French. From Malta and China. Old Manx men and Sicilian sailors. From all across the wide Americas. All called the Pequod home. The first mate, Starbuck, we've already met. Starbuck was no crusader after perils. In him, courage was not a sentiment, but a tool to be used. I will have no man in my boat who is not afraid of a whale. I'm in this ocean to kill whales for my living, not to be killed by them for theirs. Stubb, the second mate. Happy-go-lucky, neither craven nor valiant. Good-humored, easy, careless. He always kept a pipe within easy reach. <laughs> the third mate, Flask. A short, stout, ruddy fellow. The Pequod's three daring harpooners. Queequeg, an island prince in exile who had come to be a very dear friend. Tashtego, from the First Nation near Martha's Vineyard. And Dagu, a coal-black African who walked with a lion's tread. The three mates are always accompanied by their harpooners in their smaller whaleboats when a whale's near. And Pip... Poor little Alabama Pip, beating his tambourine, unaware of the approaching time when the young black boy would be called home to heaven. For several days after leaving Nantucket, every time I ascended to the deck from my watches below, 
I instantly gazed aft to Margaret's new strange face were visible. Nothing above hatches was seen of Captain Ahab as we drifted out to sea with purpose. The mates relieved each other at the watches. They seemed to be the only commanders of the ship. Yet their supreme lord and dictator was there, unseen by any eyes, not permitted to penetrate into the now sacred retreat of his cabin. Queequeg says, look, Captain Ahab stands upon the quarter deck. Reality outran apprehensions. He looked like a man cut away at the stake when the fire has wasted all the limbs without consuming them. Skin and muscle all intact. His whole high, broad form seemed made of solid bronze, threading its way out from among his gray hairs and continuing right down one side of his tawny scorched face and neck till it disappeared in his clothes, you saw a slender scar, white and livid. There seemed no sign of bodily illness about him and his missing leg. Each side of the Pequod's quarter deck there was a half-inch hole bored into the plank. His bone leg steadied into that hole. That's a straight, lofty trunk of a great tree, isn't it, Queequeg? No, Ishmael. That leg's ivory, carved from the jaw of a sperm whale. Ahab stood erect. Not a word he spoke, nor did his officers say anything to him. Ahab wore a crucifixion on his face. An uncrowned king bearing some mighty woe. Ishmael's berth below deck. The snores of sailors around him. Since the crew rest six inches under the Pequod's deck, we sleep under Ahab's ivory heel as he paces each night above us. On life and death, this old man walked. Captain Ahab, sir. Mr. Stubb. Uh, you ain't your bed now, sir, more than three hours out of the 24. Sir, you pace with a heavy, lumber-like gait. If you care to walk the planks, no one can say nay. But maybe there's a way of muffling the noise. Maybe put a wad of towel on the bottom of the... a cannonball, Stubb, were to stuff me in that fashion. Go thy way, below to your nightly grave, where such as ye sleep between shrouds. Down, dog, and kin em. I am not used to be spoken to that way, sir. Avast! No, sir, not yet. Will not be tamely called a dog, sir. Then be called ten times a donkey, and a mule, and an ass! Let the reverberating cracking din of this bony step stir thy dreams to the crunching teeth of sharks. Be gone, or I'll clear the world of ye. I was never served so before without giving a hard blow in return. I don't well know whether to go back and strike him, or down on my knees and pray for him. And it would be the first time I ever did pray. I take him fore and aft, he's just about the queerest old man Stubb has ever sailed with. Mr. Stubb, call old hands aft. Sir? Call old hands. Fast tips there, come down. All hands aft. What the devil's the matter with him? Look sharp, all of you. There are whales hereabouts. If you see a white one, split your lungs for him. What do you think of that now, Mr. Stubb? There's a small drop of something queer in that. A white whale? Did you mark that? Mark the chicken him that pecks the shell. There's something special in the wind. Ahab has that that's bloody on his mind. What's that in his hand? Um, he comes this way. What do you do when you see a whale, Min? Sing out for him! Keep your weather eye open and sing out every time. And what do you do next, Min? Lower away and after him! And what tune is it you pull to, Min? 
A dead whale or a splintered boat? A dead whale or a splintered boat? A dead whale or a splintered boat, aye. Mr. Starbuck had me the hammer. You heard me give orders about a white whale. Look here! Do you see this Spanish ounce of gold? It's a $16 piece, men, a doubloon. Do you see it? Whosoever of ye raises me a white-headed whale with a wrinkled brow and a crooked jaw, whosoever of ye raises me that white-headed whale with three holes punctured in a starboard fluke, whosoever of ye raises me that same white whale, ye shall have this solid gold out, my boy! It's a white whale, I say, a white whale. Skin your eyes for a look sharp for white water if you see but a bubble, men. Sing out! Captain Ahab! What is it, Flask? That white whale must be the same that some call Moby Dick. Moby Dick? Do ye know the white whale, then, Flash? Queequeg says. Does he fantail a little curious, sir, before he goes down? And has he a curious spout, too, very bushy for a parmacidi? And mighty quick, Captain Ahab. Tashtego says. And he have one, two, three, oh, a good many irons in his hide, too, Captain. All twisty be twist. Like a corkscrew, I, Tashtego. The harpoons lie all twisted and wrenched in him. Aye, Queequeg, his spout is a big one, like a whole shock of wheat and white as a pile of our Nantucket wool. He fantails like a split jib in a squall. Death and devils, men. It's Moby Dick you've seen. Moby Dick. Captain, I too have heard of Moby Dick. Was it not Moby Dick that took thy leg? Who told thee that? Aye, Starbuck, aye, it was Moby Dick dismasted me. Moby Dick that brought me to this dead stump I stand on now. Aye, 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 aye! It was that accursed white whale that raised me, made a poor pegging lover of me forever and a day, aye! And I'll chase him round Good Hope and round the Horn and round the Norway Maelstrom and round Perdition's Flames before I give him up. Truth, this is what ye've shipped for, men, to chase that white whale on both sides of land and over the earth till he rolls fins out and spouts black blood. What say ye, men, with your splice hands on it? Aye, aye, a sharp eye for the white whale. A sharp lance for Moby Dick. God bless ye, God bless ye, men. Stuart, go, draw the great measure of grog. Aye, aye. It's this long face about Mr. Starbuck. Wilt thou not chase the white whale, or not game for Moby Dick? I am game for his crooked jaw, and for the jaws of death too, if it fairly comes in the way of the business we follow. But I came here to hunt whales, not my commander's vengeance. How many barrels will thy vengeance yield when you get it? Will not fetch much in Nantucket. Nantucket hoot! Nantucket! If money's to be the measurer, let me tell thee, my vengeance will fetch me a great premium here! As he struck his chest, I thought I heard a vast but hollow thump. The grog, the grog, drink and pass round with it. Long swallows, men, tis hot as Satan's hoof. It spiralizes in ye, forks out at the serpent's snapping eye. Vengeance on a dumb brute that simply smote thee from blind instinct? Madness. To be enraged with a beast, Captain, seems blasphemous. All visible objects are but masks. If a man will strike, strike through the mask. How can the prisoner reach outside except by thrusting through the wall? 
to me that white whale is that wall, shoved near to me. He tasks me, he heaps me, I see in him outrageous streeth with an inscrutable malice which I chiefly hate. Be the white whale agent, or be he principal, I will wreak that hate upon him. Talk not to me of blasphemy, man, I'd strike the sun if it insulted me. The crew, the crew were one and all with Ahab. Something had shot from Ahab's dilated nostril that we had inhaled into our lungs. Drink now, men! Drink and swear! Death to Moby Dick! God hunt us all if we do not haunt Moby Dick! To his death! God keep us all. I, Ishmael, was one of that crew. My shouts had gone up with the rest. My oath had been welded with theirs. The stronger I shouted, the more and more did I clench my oath. Ahab's feud seemed mine. Starbuck paled and turned and shivered. Yet Starbuck's coerced will and body were Ahab's, so long as Ahab kept his magnet trained at Starbuck's brain. The cabin at sunset, Ahab at the stern windows. Mm, Twas not so hard a task. My one cog circle fits their various wheels and they revolve. I, I lost this leg. They think me mad, but I am madness maddened. Time was the sunrise spurred me and the sunset soothed. No more. This lovely light delights me not. Loveliness is anguish to me. Damned. Suddenly and malignantly damned. Damned in the midst of paradise. The sun dies. Bows down as my soul mounts up. Is then the crown too heavy that I wear? Tis iron, I know, not gold and split. I feel the jagged edge cuts me so my brain seems to beat against a solid metal. No! Your great bully gods, you've knocked me down, but I am back up again. Come see if you can swerve me. Swerve me! Ye cannot swerve me! Swerve me! The path to my fixed purpose is laid with iron rails, and my soul is grooved to run the tracks over unsounded gorges, through the rifled haunts of mountains, under ocean beds, unerringly I rush! We hold upon our lines, flanking that whale on both sides, his flask and I went lance for lance. Round the peak while the battle went, the sharks drinking the fresh blood spilled at every new gash. But our three boats, oars, and men stove around him, and whirling in the eddies, the captain, seizing the six-inch line knife from his broken prow, dashed at the whale like an Arkansas duelist, blindly seeking with a little knife to breach the deepest life of the whale. That captain was Ahab! Aye, Flask. And then it was suddenly sweeping his sickle-shaped lower jaw beneath him, Moby Dick reaped away Ahab's leg like a field mower reaps a blade of grass. Oh, Mr. Flask, he's a strange one. If I had one leg, you wouldn't catch me on a boat. I don't think it's so strange after all, Mr. Stubb. If his leg were off at the hip now, it would be one thing. But Ahab has a knee. A knee? Oh, I don't know that, my little man. Did you ever see him kneel? Ah! Nearby, Starbuck at the mainmast. My soul is more than matched. She's overmanned. And by a madman. He drilled down deep and blasted my reason out of me. I think I see his end. 
feel that I must help him do it. He tows me with a cable I have no knife to cut. I plainly see my miserable office, to obey, rebelling, and worse yet, to hate him with a touch of pity. Yet, time and tide flow wide, there is some hope. The hated whale has the round, watery world to swim in, yet with the humanity in me will I yet try to fight ye, grim old phantom futures. Stand by me, hold me, bind me to Our captain stood upon the deck, a spyglass in his hand. A viewing of those gallant whales that blows at every strand. Oh, your tops in your boats, my boys, and by your braces stand. And we'll have one of those fine whales and boys overhand. So be cheery, my lads, may your hearts never fail. While the bold harpooner is a-striking the whale. Had you followed Captain Ahab down into his cabin after the squall took hold, you would have seen him spread out before a large, wrinkled roll of yellowed sea charts on a screwed-down table. Who's that? Mr. Starbuck? Ah, What a squall! It's worse than being in the woods on the last day of December. Why, Pip? Little Pip, the cabin boy. Frozen heavens, are there no hearts above the snow line? Oh, God, aloft there, somewhere in the darkness, have mercy on this small black boy down here. Quiet, boy, quiet. Come, boy. Thou reminds me of my own child, in a way. Come, sit in my chair. What's this? Let go of my hand, boy. No, Pip, no velvet shark skin but my own hand. I said only my hand. That. Perhaps it seems to you a rope, something that weak souls may tether to. Thou touches my inmost sense, boy. I feel thou art tied to me by cords woven of my heartstrings. Let us rivet these two hands together, the black one with the white. Whiteness. Think of pearls or marbles, whiteness. A signifier of gladness since the Romans. Many touching noble things are white, the innocence of brides or marble justice. In Greek mythology, Jove himself was a snow-white bull and a white dog, Pip. See a polar bear and the great white shark. What is it in their whiteness that so shocks the eye? Whiteness is not so much a color as the visible absence of color, and at the same time the concrete of all colors. A silent blankness, a colorless soul color of atheism. I think of the gilded velvets of butterflies and the butterfly cheeks of young girls. All these are sadly deceits. Dost thou know the skin of the whale? The blubber! The blubber of eye, near the consistency of closed grain beef, but tougher, more elastic and compact, eight to fifteen inches thick. Pondering this, the cold pale universe lies before us like a leper. Of all these things, the white whale is the symbol. Would you wonder then at my fiery hunt? Hiss, did you hear that noise? Captain Ahab! Hi, Mr. Starbuck. We must send down the main topsail yard, sir. The band is working loose and the lee life is half-stranded. Shall I strike it, sir? Strike nothing, lashes. Sir? In God's name, sir! 
Do you take me for some hunchback skipper of some coasting smack? Strike nothing and stir nothing, but lash everything. You kill a squall by firing your ship right into it. Quick and see to it. By mast and keels. And take this one with you as you do. Aye, sir. Come, pet. Crack! Crack, old ship! If we survive this squall, we are the lads to hunt Ahab up his whale! Aye! Oh, how the three pines shake! Eight bells there, forward! Tumble up! Eight bells there! Strike the bell eight, Pip! Though the ship seemed to warp against the storm, as waves grew steadier and air grew warmer, my mind returned to that grand white phantom, that murderous monster against whom I and all the others had taken an oath of violence and revenge. I realize now, such a crew, so officered, seems specially picked and packed to help Ahab to his monomaniac revenge. What the white whale was to Ahab has been hinted. What he was to me remains uncertain. There she blows! At a most unwanted hour, Stubb first saw the spouting jet by moonlight. So impressive was the cry that almost every soul on board instinctively desired a lowering. Lower away, Captain. Yet the silvery jet was no more seen that night. Each sailor swore he saw it once, but not a second time. This midnight spout had almost grown a forgotten thing when, some days after, Boo! At the same silent hour, it was announced, and again seen by all, but once more it disappeared as if it had never been. Rather would I have seen the great squid and fought him than to have seen thee, white ghost. And so it served us, night after night. Stubb swore our unnearable spout was cast by one self-same whale, and that whale... Moby Dick! Yet with his ivory leg inserted into its accustomed hole upon the deck, for hours and hours would Ahab stand gazing dead to windward. Few or no words were spoken. And the silent ship, as if manned by men made up of wax and paint, day after day tearing through all the swift madness and gladness of the demoniac waves. Thinking Starbuck with a shudder. Awful old man, sleeping with open eyes through gales, keeping unwavering eye on thy purpose. Stern old! Till the white whale spouts black blood. Like most landsmen, you might be so ignorant of the wonders of the world that without some straight facts of the fishery, you might take this as a monstrous fable. I still sense you regard my tale as Moses in the plagues of Egypt. Imagine the rope line of the harpoon, only two-thirds of an inch in thickness, made of manila rope covered in tar and running through a thin groove in a boat. The common sperm whale line measures over 200 fathoms, or 1,200 feet. And what's more, the full-grown sperm whale skull measures at least 20 feet in length, and that skull is shaped in remarkable similarity to a battering ram. Is there, Mr. Stubb? Yes, both pipes smoked out. 
to Mr. Snub goes the honors of our boys this first whale. Thank ye, Pip. He's no white whale of ours, but a nice warm-up. Cutting up that whale of stubs, duly purchased, took the whole ship an entire day. You would have thought we were offering up 20,000 oxen to the sea gods. All in the chains. Let the caulkers go astern. Remember you who listens now. If you doubt a whale's intelligence to utterly destroy and stove a large ship, the sperm whale has done it. Ahoy, the Pequod! Ahoy! This is the Bachelor, a Nantucket ship. Shall we have a gown with your sailors? Jolly enough were the sights and sounds bearing down before the wind some few weeks later. Having just wedged in its last cask of oil and bolted down her bursting hatches, now in glad holiday apparel, the bachelor sailed joyous as she pointed her prow to home. Their mates had brought their horns to their hands. Ahoy, the Pequod! Come aboard! Has seen the white whale? Uh, only heard of him! Don't believe in him at all! Come aboard! Lost any men? Not enough to speak of. Uh, but come aboard, old hearty. Come along. We'll soon take that black from your brow. Thou art too damn jolly. Say along! Come along! We're a full ship and homeward bound! You say full ship and homeward bound? Well, call me an empty ship and outward bound. This is the Pequod, bound rounds of the Pacific, and if I'm not home in two Christmas, I'll... Ahab's horn fell out of his hand with a splash. It's mighty windy today, Captain. Round forward there. Up helm! Keep her off round the world! And while one ship went cheerily before the breeze, ours fought stubbornly against it. Our grave crew lingering glances towards the fading revelry of the Bachelor. Rounding Africa's southern tip, we passed at last through the Great South Sea, into the Pacific. There is a sweet mystery about this sea. Were it not for our grim resolution, I could have greeted my dear Pacific with uncounted thanks. For another year, I learned of whales, whale hunts, and whale boats. Sail ho! Sail ho! Aye, well now, that's cheerful. Well away, Mr. Starbuck. Three points on the starboard bow, sir, and bringing down her breeze to us. Better and better, man, if only St. Paul would follow along behind. Uh, Captain, sir, what's that flag flying? I mean, the colors down below. The colors of disease, Captain. The horn, quickly, I fear not thy epidemic. Come aboard! Hast thou seen the white whale? I've heard tales of ships whose sailors and captain and chief mates all died of a fever caught from a sick whale they had brought alongside. But not disease on the ship called Delight. As she drew close, all eyes were fixed on her broad beams, called shears, which in some ships cross the deck nine feet high. They carry each ship's spare, smaller whaleboats. Upon Delight's shears, the shattered ribs and splintered planks of what had been a whaleboat. You could see through it as plainly as the bleached skeleton of a long dead horse. I've seen a white whale! The hollow-cheeked captain of the Delight only pointed to that wreck. The harpoon is not yet forged that will kill Moby Dick. Not forged, Starbuck. Look ye, here in his hand, I hold his death. Tempered in blood and tempered by lightning is this rod, and I swear to temper it triply where the white whale most feels his accursed life. His heart! God keep thee, Captain. Their deck holds five coffins for sailors I wager were alive only yesterday. 
We sail upon their tomb. Race forward! Up helm. But the Pequot was not quick enough to escape the sound of the splash a corpse soon made as it struck the sea. We were still close enough some of the flying bubbles baptized our hull with a ghostly sickness. For another year, we continued in this way. The gold doubloon remained on the mast, its strange figures and inscriptions stamped on it. Ahab's cabin, Starbuck to him. The oil in the hold is leaking, sir. We must up Burton's and break out. Up Burton and break out. Now that we are nearing Japan, heave to here for a week to tinkle a parcel of old hoops. Either do that, sir, or waste in one day more oil than we may get in a year. What we came 20,000 miles to get is worth saving, sir. So it is if we get it. I was speaking of the oil in the hold, sir. And I was not speaking of that at all. Be gone. Let it a leak. I'm all a leak myself, yet I don't stop to plug my leak. What will the owners say? What cares Ahab? Owners. (laughs) Owners. The only real owner of anything is its commander, and my conscience is this ship's keel. On deck! Captain Ahab, a better man than I might- On deck! I do entreat. Shall we not understand each other better, Captain Ahab? Ahab seized a loaded musket and pointed it at Starbuck. There is one god that is lord over the earth, and one captain that is lord over the Pequod. On deck! For an instant, in the flashing eyes of the mate, and his fiery cheeks, you would have almost thought that he had really received the blaze of the leveled tube. Ahab, beware of Ahab. Beware of thyself, old man. He waxes brave, but nevertheless obeys. What's that he said? Ahab, beware of Ahab. Thou art too good a fellow, Starbuck. Few that's gallant sails and close reef to top sails, and break out into the main hold. It may have been mere prudential policy or a flash of honesty, but the burdens were hoisted. Thou sea charts! Thou tells me where I am, but cannot tell me where I should be. Canst thou tell me where some other thing besides me is this moment living? Where is Moby Dick? This instant thou must be eyeing him. These eyes of mine look into the very eye here which eyes him I, and I alone see his eye. Oh, foolish compass, what can it do but tell the hand that holds it where it is on the planet? No longer will I guide my earthly way by thee. The ship's level, the captain's log, and the harpoon's line will show me my place on the sea. Aye, thus I split thee! Standing beside the mainmast, Starbuck watched both the Pequod's tumultuous way and Ahab's as he came lurching onto the deck to toss his compass into the ocean. Mr. Stubb, I have said before fierce, dense coal fires, but after they wane down to ashes, what remains but one little heap of the dumbest dust? Aye, but Ishmael, sea coal ashes are not your common charcoal. Ahab acts right. Live in the game and die in it. Shorten the sail! That's the peculiar order of a parmaceti. A whale must be near. Next day, a large ship, the Rachel, was seen bearing directly down upon the Pequod, all her spars thickly clustered with men. Bad news. She brings bad news. Has seen the white whale! I recall the captain's words even now. Aye, yesterday! Have you seen a whale? Where was he? Where was it? We were engaged with a shoal of Parmesini. Yet in swift chase, the head of Moby Dick loomed up out of the blue water. 
Our spare boat gave chase and fastened him and was towed out of sight. The nothing. Fastened, but not killed. Not killed? Whoever heard of a whale ship cruising after one missing little whale boat in the height of the whaling season? For God's sake, I beg for eight and forty hours. Let me charter your ship. I will gladly pay roundly for it. My boy. My own boy is among them for 840 hours oh, old. It's a son he's lost. What says Ahab? We must save the boy. He's drowned with the rest of a man. You have a child too, Ahab. My boy, my little lamb, 12 years old. I will not go till you say hi to me. Do to me as you would have me do to you Run. in the light case. Run, men now. Stand by to square Run on the yards. Run the rope yard. Captain, what if Pip were to fall overboard? Avast, I will not do it. The whales moved on, and even now I lose time. God bless ye, man. And may I forgive myself. Mr. Starbuck, you are relieved of the watch. Mr. Flask, race forward. Let the ship God himself is against the old man. Forbear! Tis an ill voyage, ill begun, ill continued. Let me square in the yards while we may, old man, and make a fair wind of it homeward, to go on a better voyage than this. All your oaths to hunt a white whale are as binding as mine, and heart, soul, and body, lungs, and life, old Ahab is bound. And that ye may know to what tomb this heart beats, look ye here. <sighs> Thus I blow out the last fear. The two ships diverged their wakes. As long as the strange vessel was in view, she stopped at every small dark spot on the sea. By her halting course, you plainly saw this ship, so wept with spray, remained without comfort. And when three or four days after meeting the children seeking Rachel, and no spout had yet been seen, the monomaniac old man seemed distrustful of his crew's fidelity, and rightly so. He would have shot me once. Yes. I hold the very musket that he pointed at me. Ahab's cabin, Starbuck revealed, standing over him, with Ahab's musket in Starbuck's hand. I will have the first sight of the whale myself. Ahab must have the doubloon. Oh, Moby Dick, I clutch thy heart at last. Wait. I'll cure myself of this. I'll hold it while I think. I come to report a fair wind to him. But how fair? It's a fair wind that's only fair for that accursed fish. And he would have killed me with the very thing I handle now. Has he not said he will sail through any storm? Has he not dashed his compass? Shall this crazed old man be tamely suffered to drag a whole ship's company down to doom with him? Makes him the willful murderer of over thirty men if this ship comes to any deadly harm. And come to deadly harm, my soul swears this ship will if Ahab have his way. Yes, just here. He's sleeping. Sleeping. And alive. And soon awake again. Then I can't withstand thy magnet, old man. I stand alone here upon an open sea with two oceans and a whole continent between me and law. Aye, aye, it is so. Just a little touch. And Starbuck may survive to hug his wife and child again. Yes. For Mary. But is there no other way? No lawful way?
does heaven murder when lightning strikes? And what about you? Could you have done it? Next morning, it was a clear, steel-blue day. Here and there speckled snow-white wings of birds, the gentle thoughts of the feminine air. But to and fro in the deeps, far down into the bottomless blue, the troubled, murderous thinkings of the masculine sea. Tied up and twisted, eyes glowing like sea coals, Ahab lifts his splintered brow to a fair breeze, leans over the side of the deck, watches as his shadow sinks and sinks in the water. Ahab sheds a tear into the sea. Past Pacific does not contain such wealth as that one solitary drop. Starbuck, careful, draws alongside. Oh, Starbuck, on such a day like this, I struck my first whale, a boy harpooner of 18, 40 years ago. 40 years continual whaling on the pitiless sea, making war on the horrors of the deep. Out of those 40 years, I have not sped three ashore. I think of this life I've led for 40 years, eating dry, salted fare. I fed my soul. Whole oceans away from that young girl I wedded and sailed the next day to Cape Hope, leaving one dent in my marriage pillow. Wife. Wife. Rather a widow with her husband alive. Aye, I widowed that poor girl when I married her, Starbuck. And in the madness, the frenzy, the blood of a thousand lowerings, what the forty years fool old Ahab has been. Stand close to me. Let me look into a human eye. Tis better than the sea or God or sky. This is the magic glass, man. I see my wife and child in your eye. Stay on board. Lower not when branded Ahab gives chase to Moby Dick. That hazard shall not be thine, not with the far way home I see in that eye. Oh, Ahab, my captain, grand old heart. Why should anyone chase that hated fish? Give the word, let's fly these deadly waters. Let us home. Wife and child, too, are Starbucks. Way, this instant let me alter the course. How cheerily would we bowl to see Nantucket? I think they have some such mild blue days even as this. They have! I've seen them! <laughs> yes! Oh, about this time, it's her noon nap now. She sits up in bed and her mother tells of cannibal old me how I'm away but will come back to dance with her again. My Mary promised that my boy each day should be carried to the hill to catch the first glimpse of his father's sail. Yes, yes, no more. It's done. We head for Nantucket. See your girl's face from the window? My boy's hand on the hill. But Ahab's glance averted. And like a sickly tree, he shook and cast his last cindered apple to the soil. What is it? What nameless unearthly thing is it? What hidden master and cruel emperor commands me that against all natural lovings and longings I keep pushing and crowding and jamming myself on all the time? Is Ahab, Ahab, 
Is it I or God that lifts this arm? How then does one small heart beat? One small brain thinks thoughts unless God does that beating, thinking, living, not I? Man the mastheads! Call all hands! What do you see? There, in the sea directly ahead, smooth as oil with pleated water wrinkles bordering it. The sight of a long, sleek captain. The gallant sails, stunsels are low and aloft, and on both sides. There she blows! There she blows! Up like a snow hill! It's Moby Dick! The crew rushes to the rigging to behold the famous whale. A mile ahead, every roll of the sea reveals his high sparkling arm. The regular jet of his silent spout into the air. And did none of you see it before? I saw him just before you did, Captain, and I cried no out. No fate reserved the bloom for me. I only. None of you could have raised the white whale first. There she blows! There she blows! There she blows! There again! There again! He's going to sound, and Stunsel's down top gallant sails. Stand by those three boats. Mr. Starbuck, remember to stay on board and keep the ship. Helm there, look, there's a boy! Oh, steady, man, steady. There go flukes. No, no, only water. Are all the boats ready? Stand by! Lower Stand me, Mr. By. Starbuck, lower, lower, quick, quick! He's heading straight to Lewis, sir, right away from us. He can't have in the ship yet. Be done, man. Stand by the braces. Hard down the helm. Brace up. Never her. Never her. Skip! My after oarsman has sprained his hand. You're to be in his place. I'm Mr. Stubb. Soon all rowboats but Starbucks were dropped. All the boat sails set, all the paddles flying, the rippling swiftness shooting to leeward. And Ahab heading the onset. A pale death glimmer lit up his sunken eyes. A hideous motion gnawed his mouth. Like noiseless nautilus shells, our light prowls sped through the sea. As we neared our foe, the ocean grew still more smooth, seemed drawing a carpet over its waves, serene. Beyond, drawing ever nearer, a glistening white shadow, a broad milky forehead, and blue waters flowing into the moving valley of his steady wake. Look at the bubbles rising and dancing by his side. Look instead at the shattered pole of a lance sticking out of his back. But seeing the whale now, I note a gentle joyousness, a swift and mighty mildness of relaxation invests the gliding whale. Not the white, lecherous bull whose story had bewitched us, but the great majesty of the Supreme would not surpass this white whale as he divinely swam. No wonder hunters seek this one out. Or can you lance a tornado? Quiet, man! He withholds from us the sight of his submerged and hitched jaw. And soon enough, the whale's whole marbleized body formed a high arch for an instant spanning like an enormous rock formation across the canyon, warningly waving his bannered hoops in the air, the grand god revealing himself. He sounded! went out of sight. Paddles down, oars a peak. We await Moby Dick's resurgence. An hour. As I peered down into the ocean's depths, I saw a white living spot no bigger than a white weasel with wonderful clarity, uprising and magnifying as it rises and turning there to plainly reveal 
two long, crooked rows of white, glistening teeth floating up from the undiscoverable bottom. It was Moby Dick's open mouth and swollen jaw, his vast, shadowed bulk still half blending with the blue of the sea. The glittering mouth yawned beneath the boat like an open-doored marble tomb. Like a biting shark, the whale takes our boat full within his mouth. Bluish peel white of the inside of the jaw was within six inches of Ahab's skull. The white whale broke our slight cedar back as it pulled past her mouth. Dot him! Dot him! I cannot, Captain! His body stays submerged! He's gone now! The other boats arrived to rescue their shipmates. Helpless Ahab's head bobbing like a tossed bubble which the smallest prick might burst, half smothered in the foam of the whale's insolent tail. We returned to the deck of the Pequod, with Ahab's eyes bloodshot, half-blinded, with white brine caking in his wrinkles. The harpoon, is it safe? Aye, sir, here it is. Lay it before me. Any missing men? One, two, three, four, five. There were five oars, sir, and here are five men. And little Pip. Ah, well done, Pip. You did well. That's good. Help me, man. I wish to stand. So! But Moby Dick had vanished like a ghost. At daybreak the next day, the three mastheads were manned afresh. Do you see him? I see nothing, sir. Turn up all hands and make sail. He travels faster than I thought. The top gallant sail! The creature's future wake was established to Ahab's mind. The ship tore on. By Sultan Hemp, the Pequod and I are two brave fellows. The swift motion creeps up the legs and tingles my heart. Split your spout, O whale, wherever you be. The mad fiend himself is after you. We were one body, not thirty. This man's valor, that man's fear, guilt and innocence, all directed to that fatal goal, which Ahab, our lord and keel, did point us to. Why sing you not out for him if you see him? Less than a mile ahead, Moby Dick burst into view. No calm spouts, no peaceable gush, but by breaching, rising with his utmost velocity from the furthest depths, the sperm whale thus bones his entire bulk into the pure air and piles a mountain of dazzling foam. The torn, enraged waves he shakes off seem like a mane to some. To others, it seemed like an act of defiance. Reach your lash to the sun, Moby Dick. Thy hour and thy harpoon are at hand. The whale won't stand by. Lower away and lower all. Moby Dick had turned and now was heading for our four oncoming boats. Now I tell you what it is, men. It's against my religion to get mad. But I'd like to eat that villainous whale and pull the first bucket of oil from its brains. Pull, won't ya? Come, run on some of your burst of blood vessel. Who's that been dropping an anchor overboard? We don't budge an inch. There's grass growing in the boat's bottom. Oh, this won't do, boys. Will you spit fire or not? Pull, like 50,000 line of battleship loads of red-haired devils. What do you say? Are you the man to snap your spine in two and twenty pieces for the honor of Nantucket? What do you say? Oh, Jesus, Santi! What a hump! There goes four thousand dollars. That's a bank, a whole bank. 
Canst thou fill his skin with fish spears? To him iron is as straw. The arrow cannot make him flee. Who's up the subscriptions, Mr. Starbuck? Stand by, men, he stirs. All in, he's rising! The white whale churned into furious speed, rushing among the boats with open jaws and a lashing tail, skillfully maneuvers, incessantly darting like a trained bull in a fight while Ahab's unearthly slogans tore each of the three harpeneers all to shreds. The white whale dashed his broad forehead against our bottom and sent our boats turning over and over into the air till it fell again. And Ahab and his men struggled out from under it like seals from a seaside cave. But soon, as if satisfied that his work was done, Leviathan pushed through the ocean at a traveler's methodic Ace. Returning to the deck of the Pequod, all eyes were fastened upon old Ahab. His ivory leg had been snapped off, leaving a short, sharp splinter that almost pierced his groin. No broken bones, I hope, sir. <laughs> Splintered all to pieces, Stab, do you see? Even with a broken bone, old Ahab is untouched. Only the dead parts lost. No white whale, nor man, nor Fiend nor God can graze old Ahab. Aloft there, which way? Dead to leeward, sir. Up helm, then. Pile on the ship again, shipkeepers. But wait now. Mr. Sarbuck, away and muster the boat crews. Let me first help thee towards the bulwarks, sir. Give me something for a cane. That shivered lance will do. Muster the men. Surely I have not seen him yet. By heaven, he cannot be missing. Call them all, man. No, no, Pip. Oh, he must have been caught in. Caught on. Caught among the tangles of your line. My line? I thought I saw him dragging under. My line. Gone. Gone. What means that little word? Aloft there! Keep him nailed! All hands to the riggings of the boats. Collect the oars. Apunas, the iron! Hoist the royals higher, helm there steady for your life. Out in time's girdle, the unmeasured globe, yea, and die. Great God! But for one single instant, show thyself! Never wilt thou capture him, old man. No more of this. It's worse than devil's madness. Two days chased, twice stove to splinters. Thy very leg once more snatched from under thee. What more wouldst thou have? Shall we keep chasing this murderous fish till he drags us to the bottom of the sea? Shall we be told by him to hell? Ahab is forever Ahab man. T'was rehearsed by thee and me a billion years before this ocean rolled. I am the fate's lieutenant. I act on the orders thou obeyest mine. Stand round me, men. You see an old man cut down to the stumps leaning on a shivered lance. Tis Ahab's body, but Ahab's soul's a centipede that moves upon a hundred legs. I may look as ropes that told us mastered frigates in a gale, but ere I break, you'll hear me crack. Till you hear that, know that Ahab told his purpose yet. Do you feel brave, men? As fearless fire. When dusk descended, the whale was still in sight to leeward. The morning of the third day dawned fair and foul. And once more, the solitary nightman at the foremast was relieved by crowds of the daylight lookouts who dotted every mast and spar. Do you see him? But the whale was not yet in sight. Follow that wake, that's all. Helm there, steady, steady as thou goest and has been going. To it, 
Nothing, sir! Nothing at hand. I've oversailed him. How got the stopped? Aye, he's chasing me now, not I him. Fool! About, about! Come down, all of you at the regular lookouts! Man the braces! Now being pointed in the reverse direction, the braced ship sailed hard upon the breeze as she re-churned the cream in her own white wake. Against the wind, he now steers for the open jaw. God keep us, but my bones feel damp within me already. I disobey my God in obeying him. Stand by to sway me up. We should meet him soon. Aye, aye, sir. Straight away, Starbuck did Ahab's bidding. An hour now passed, gold beaten to ages. Time itself now held long breaths in suspense. But at last... Three points of the weather Forehead to forehead, I meet thee this third time, Moby Dick. On deck then! Grace Chopper, ground her into the wind's eye, make the sails shake! He travels fast. Ahab gave word for his boat to be lowered, but as he descended... Hold! Starbuck! Sir? For the third time, my soul's ship starts upon this voyage, Starbuck. Aye, sir, thou wilt have it so. Some ships sail from their ports and ever afterwards are missing, Starbuck. Truth, sir. Saddest truth. Some men die at ebb tide, some at low water, some at the full of the flood. Starbuck, I am old. Shake hands with me, man. Their hands met, their eyes fastened. Starbuck's tears the glue. Oh, my captain, my captain, noble heart, go not. Go not. Lower away! Now the boat was pulling oars under the Pequod's stern. The sharks! The sharks! Scarce had we pushed from the ship when scores of sharks, rising from out of the dark waters, maliciously snapped at the blades of the oars every time they dipped into the ocean. They seemed to follow Ahab's boat without molesting the others. Heart of wrought steel, lowering thy keel among ravenous sharks. As Ahab glided o'er the waves, the sharks stuck to the boat, biting at the oars the blades leaving small splinters in the sea at almost every dip. Heed them not, those teeth give new rowlocks to your oars. Pull on! At every bite, sir, the thin blades grow smaller and smaller. They will last long enough, pull on! But who could tell whether those sharks swam to feast on the whale or on Ahab? Pull on, we near him. In his own boat, I heard Stub the mate. Oh, oh, my fine hearts alive. Oh, my children. Oh, my little ones, why don't you break your backbones, my boys? Yes, that's the stroke for a thousand pounds. That's the stroke to sweep the stakes. Easy, easy. Don't be in a hurry. Don't be in a hurry. Why don't you snap your oars, you rascals? Bite something, you dogs. So, so, so then, softly, softly. That's it, that's it. Long and strong. Give way there, give way. The devil fetch you, you ragamuffin rapscallions. You are all asleep. Stop snoring, you sleepers, and pull! Pull, will ya? Pull, can't ya? Pull, won't ya? Why, in the name of gudgeons and ginger cakes, don't ya pull? Pull and break something! Pull and start your eyes out! The boats had not gone very far when Ahab knew the whale had sounded. Waves, driving your nails, you but strike a coffin without a lid. The water slowly swelled in broad circles. A low rumbling was heard subterraneous hum as trailing ropes, harpoons, and lances shot lengthwise from the sea. Start her! Start her, my silver spoons! Start her! 
shrouded in a thin, drooping veil of mist, Moby Dick hovered in the rainbowed air, and then fell swamping back to the deep. Crushed thirty feet upwards, the waters flashed like fountains, then sank in a shower of flakes, leaving the circling surface creamed like new milk round the marble trunk of the whale. Give way! He'll be possessed by all the angels that fell from heaven. Down, men! The first one that jumps from this boat, that man I harpoon. You are not men but my arms and legs, and so obey me. Where's the whale? Going again? Again did Moby Dick now steadily swim forward with his utmost velocity, and now intent on pursuing only his own straight path in the sea, thought Starbuck from the deck of the Pequot. Ahab, even now it is not too late to desist. See, Moby Dick seeks thee not, it is thou, thou that madly seekst him. Whale was strangely oblivious of our advance, but body arched back. Ahab darted his fierce iron and his far fiercer curse into the hated whale. As both steel and curse sank to the socket, Moby Dick sideways writhed, spasmatically rolled his flank against our bow, and without breaking, nearly canted the boat over. Oarsmen flung out. Ah! Whoever kept Stubb awake but Stubb's own unwinking eye. And now, poor Stubb lays down upon a wet mattress. Why not let Stubb die in his drawers instead of this stove boat? Cherries. One fresh red cherry. Take new turns with the line and hold it so. Turn around in your seats. Burst in upon him. The line snaps in the empty air. Hearing the tremendous rush of our boat, the whale wheels round to present his blank forehead, but catching sight of the black hole of the ship, bears down instead upon the Pequod's advancing prow, his jaws smiting fiery showers of foam. Ah, I grow blind this night, I may grope my way yet. The whale, the ship, the ship, the ship, the whale! solid white buttress of his forehead smites the starboard bow and the Pequod's men and timber reels. Waters pour as mountain water down its river. The ship! I turn my body from the sun, the ship! Must the Pequod perish and without me? Lonely death or lonely life? Now I feel my topmost greatness lies atop my topmost grief. Towards me I roll down the but unconquering whale. To the last I grapple with thee. From hell's heart I stab at thee. For hate's sake I spit my last breath at thee. Thus I give up the spear. The harpoon darts, darts true. The harpoon whale flies with velocity, and with velocity the harpoon line runs through the grooves of our boat, but runs foul. Ahab stoops to clear it. He does clear it. But the flying turn caught him round the neck, and without a sound, Ahab is gone. Next instant, the rope's end flew out of the tub and disappeared into the depths, and the ship... The ship... The great God, where's the ship? There, with only topmost mast above water, or fixed by infatuation or fidelity or fate, the mastheads maintained the sinking lookouts. And now, concentric circles seized my lone boat, 
all its crew, each floating oar and lance pole, and spinning round and round in one vortex, carried our world out of sight. Ahab, like Satan, would not sink to hell till he had dragged a living part of heaven with him. And all collapsed, and the great Pacific rolled on as it rolled high thousand years ago. We are turned round and round in this world, and all the time the unsounded sea rolls on. The drama's done. Why then here does anyone step forth? Because one did survive the wreck. For almost one whole day and night I floated, and I alone am escaped to tell you. On the second day, a sail drew near. It was the Rachel, that in her tracing search after her missing children only found another orphan. for listening to A Theater in the Dark's A White Whale or Moby Dick, adapted from the novel by Herman Melville by Corey Bradbury. Tonight's show was originally presented live over the internet and performed by Elizabeth McCoy as Ishmael, Mac Porton as Starbuck and Stubb, and Robinson J. Cyprian as Ahab. Nick Montopoli created our original music, soundscapes by Mac Gordon with Corey Bradbury. Special thanks to Bethany Daigle, John Olson Communications, and Solana Oliver. I've been your stage manager, director, and sound engineer, Corey Bradbury. A White Whale or Moby Dick was produced by myself, Matt Gordon, Jake Kaufman, and Bridget Chief Grace. A Theater in the Dark creates stories through sound, and we're just a couple of artists that love storytelling. If you enjoyed the performance, please tell a friend or post about us on social media. It really helps. You can also find on-demand streaming options of our audio plays, and can support us directly through our website, atheaterinthedark.com. Have a wonderful evening, and thank you for supporting Chicago's A Theater in the Dark. Atlanta Fringe Audio 2021 is brought to you by the Atlanta Fringe Festival. You can binge on Fringe on Spotify, Podbean, iTunes, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, or wherever you enjoy podcasts. If you like this piece, leave a comment or review wherever you listen to podcasts.